Season's going to end on a double doink, 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 doink. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. That's what you want to know? It's the T.C. Martin Show. Yeah, I had an idea. Diagnosis. I had an idea, and then, uh... Prognosis. Yeah, I take the serious. Osmosis. Why, it's funny? It wasn't, it wasn't funny. I wasn't laughing about it. Yeah. It's not funny. It's not funny. Nothing's funny. Don't you ever talk about me. Yeah, I had an idea. That's the result you won't get. It's the doctor, T.C. Martin. I don't go out there and laugh. The doctor is now in. What it is, what it shall be, what it could be, it's a Tuesday. It really doesn't rhyme, but it's okay. I love Tuesdays because I get to vent my frustrations, but I think I do that all the time, don't I? You do. I got a lot. I got a lot of vent frustration. No question about it. And, Nubchuck, take a picture right here. Because you're not going to see this smug for at least a week. Thank you, <laughs> Lord. Thank you. You're going to be so lonely. You're going to no, be texting me. Going road trip. So we'll be gone for the next week. Jose Vellante will be stepping in. TJ Reeves tomorrow. And uh, a cast of others. And uh, we go on the road to Seattle, Minnesota, and Chicago. So we'll have a lot of food talk with that. All right, today, jam-packed show coming your way. Al Bernstein is going to join us. My main man, it is fight time and fight week in Vegas. Can hardly wait for that next week. It is the fight we've been waiting for. The countdown begins, what, T-minus nine days and counting, as we have Terrence Crawford and Earl Spence Jr. for the undisputed welterweight champion of the world. And Al Bernstein will be on the call for the Showtime pay-per-view at T-Mobile Arena. Looking forward to that a week from Saturday night. Will you be back in town for that? I will. Or will you be at the fight? Uh, of course uh, I that's will. That's what I like to hear. Now, I'll give you some more breaking news if you want to just start off since we're talking fights. You know, there you go. All right. And um, you'll, you'll enjoy this because that means it's another extended time for you not to see me. So I love it. When I, I love com- it. When I come back, yeah. we will be doing the show Thursday from the MGM Grand. There that's it is. a day without me. There you go. Day without you, I love it. But you're going to be here. I'll be. I don't care you're if I'm right here. here. I don't uh, care unless you want to come with me. No, no, no. no. We're going. We're gonna, I'm here. We need. We need to hunker down the fort. So, yeah. So we'll be doing the show uh, next Thursday. Going back to what we used to do all the time, and I love that Thursday before championship fight night on Saturday. So we'll be doing the show there on Thursday, giving you uh, the vibes from the MGM Grand Garden. And looking forward to uh, Ca- uh, Crawford and Spence. So we'll be talking a lot about uh, that fight. Al Bernstein will join us today as uh, he will next week. So we'll be talking a lot about that. And again, Al will be on the call for Showtime pay-per-view. Paul Gutierrez will join us from ESPN. Raiders. Oh, we got Raiders to talk about. Just like we did yesterday with the... Franchise tag deadline gone in past. Hear that? Hear that? That's what you had. You had silence. You had crickets for the Raiders and Josh Jacobs not agreeing to a deal. And also Giants and Saquon Barkley not making a deal. Both of these guys more than likely will be holding out of training camp. And that's going to be a story. You know, every year, 
whatever team you follow, you do not want to have your team in the middle of drama, circus-like atmosphere, and you have it. Every, every year, there's one or two, sometimes three teams that have that. So the Raiders are going to have that. The Giants are going to have that. And we know the Jets are going to have that with Aaron Rodgers and all of the hyperbole with that. And plus, you know, did you hear who was going to be on this year's version of Hard Knocks? Yeah, I did. JTS, JTS, Jets, Jets, Jets. No, I, wa- I wonder why. You wonder why? I wonder why. So we've talked about this so many times. No team wants to be part of Hard Knocks anymore. No team. And it's like by default. So you know what the word around Jets camp was when they heard that they were they were selected or forced into being on HBO's Hard Knocks? Give me a sound effect. What do you, what, what do you think the, the, the Jets were feeling when they said, hey, we're coming to your camp this July for Hard Knocks. What? Yeah, yeah you're going to be our feature team. Are you crazy? Yeah, nobody wants that. You're killing me, Smalls. They don't want that. But everybody loves Hard Knocks. They love it. The people who watch it, including myself, we love Hard Knocks. I mean, we're going on 20 years now since the very first Hard Knocks back to the Baltimore Ravens. And uh, the Jets have been on before. Was that the last one that was actually decent? Which one? Baltimore. Way back when? Way back when. I mean, that's... Yeah. Then it kind of just kind of... The Jets slowly. one wasn't bad when Rex Seaboy, when Rex Ryan was a head coach, and he started dropping all those F-bombs and everything. Well, that's because it's Rex. Yeah, exactly. Just like... There's the, always an angle. Just like the Lions weren't bad because they had Dan Campbell. Right. Well, everyone was expecting that to be putrid. Yeah. Go, the Lions. No, but then you well, get the Dan Lions. Cam- but then you get Dan Campbell chewing kneecaps off and chewing kneecaps and then crying and but it was the Lions. I mean, nobody cares about the Lions. Except for Brian Feldman and Chris Wynn. There's only one reason why people are going to care about the Jets right now. For Rogers. Exactly. But there is a huge fan base. Okay, you gotta remember that. There's a huge fan base. But here's the thing is like when is it gonna stop? HBO loves it. But they're having such a hard time convincing teams to take part in this. And I love the fact that they say, listen, guys, it's, you know, no holds barred, open microphones everywhere. This is just the way it is. And every year you see more and more teams going, well, man, uh, can we like not do this? Can we not show this? Because we don't want to give away any of our game plans and, and, and some of these private conversations. And they go, no. So do you remember who it was last year? Wasn't last year the Lions? Nope. That was the year before. Oh, then no. I have you don't even remember. No. Okay, but see, it's in the same vein of these pathetic teams. It's the Cardinals. I was going to say. It was, it was the, the Cardinals. And it was terrible. And again, you had a wishy-washy coach who was going to be fired and did get fired. You know? In Kingsbury. Kingsbury, Clingsbury. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that was just a mess. And then you had DeAndre Hopkins. You had that story. That was going to be his last year. And then you had Kyler Murray. I mean, none of these guys come across great on camera. And we had to see more of the family aspects. You know, Kingsbury was terrible, uh, you know, on camera. And then Bidwell tried to, you know, give his time on camera, the owner. That, that wasn't very good. 
and we knew what kind of season they were going to have. It was terrible. So here we go again with the Jets. So there's a little bit of hope. You're going to get Rodgers. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out because Rodgers was one of those guys in Green Bay that said, no, 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 we don't want this. The Packers never signed off on it. They said, we, we don't want to do it. But now, since Rodgers came out of the darkness, he slipped out of the darkness with our good friend Lonnie Jordan War. Um, maybe he'll be a little bit more open and a little bit more fun. And he's been going to the American Century Classic there in Tyler, the golf tournament, which he probably had his best round this year, probably because he slipped out of the darkness. So I got a feeling that he may want to toy a little bit with him. Now, you know the Packers back in the day, they would have been great. They would have been great. Back when I was there and stuff, they would have been great for Hard Knocks. Are you saying with that Brett. you could have been on there? No, 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 no. You've just been no, like, I could have made the no, show. No, 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 no. I could have made no, the show. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. But, no. But Brett, can you picture Brett? And a lot of people don't know Brett like behind the scenes. He would have been hilarious. And that's probably one of the reasons why the Packers said, no, 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 we don't want this. But no, he, I mean, the pranksters and all that stuff and that group during that time, man, uh, those guys would have had some fun. They would have pranked HBO probably. So anyway, yeah, since he came out of the darkness, it wouldn't surprise me if he was a little bit more engaging. So yes, I'm interested in hard knocks, not interested in the Jets. Are you going to watch every episode? I always do. Well, I have to. It's homework for the show. But I mean, like, yeah. Okay, are you going to make it a point to watch every show when it's the, like when it's on? Yeah, yeah, like a hundred percent first. Oh, I never, I never like uh, record them all and then binge watch because we, we got to talk about it on the show. But I mean, yeah, I watch it almost immediately. So it's on what day, what day is Hard Knocks? On? Usually Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. So Tuesday night. Yeah. Is Hard Knocks night for you, or is that going to be possibly a Wednesday, and then you'll. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. will you watch it in that week? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, oh yeah. Or will it I'll be, watch it within a 48 it hour that, window? Okay. Yeah, and I'm gonna try to watch it on Tuesday night. You know, I really don't like watching the stuff live, so I can fast forward through all the nonsense. Exactly. So we'll see how that goes. All right. So yeah, today we've got uh, Al Bernstein. We have got Paul Gutierrez. Chuck Esposito will join us from Red Chucky Rock. Chuck. So a lot to hit on today. So yes. You're looking mighty happy today. What's up? Like, could it be because you're, you're I'm losing, getting ready to go on the road? I'm not going to be loose, around here. You're losing. I'm not going to have this responsibility for a week. Is that why? I don't know. You're just like loosey goosey and kind of like uh, full, full disclosure. You know, I'm loosey goosey. What? I had a massage today. Oh, oh, oh I, I had a massage oh, wait, today. Wait, wait. It was actually my first massage probably since wow, Mexico years ago. Was this a nunchuck massage or was this uh, <laughs> was this a real massage? This was not a nunchuck massage. Let's be perfectly clear, okay? This was doctor's orders massage, okay? So it wasn't your cinnamon type of massage or whatever kind of hokey jokey massage you have. Now, I gotta admit, I was kind of looking forward to the massage, the masseuse, because I got a little sneak peek, and no pun is intended here. I didn't mean that. No, no, no. Then I say sneak peek of where I go for these appointments. Like, oh, I saw the masseuse and she seemed pretty fun. It was a she, by the way, she. So that, that's important for me. Okay. I'm not, I think I would just go, you know, electric 
you know, massage and if it was a dude. Yeah. Full disclosure. And, um, I, I, I took a little sneak peek in her room and they had the mood music and they had all kinds of, of cool stuff. It was like, it was a cool massage room. And so I said, wow, when, when I get my massage, my human massage, I think I'm going to kind of look forward to this, right? So what happens today? I go into the massage and they call me in and the person that called me in, I didn't know that was going to be my masseuse, right? Uh, spoke really soft, you know, called my name and I'm going, Mr. Martin, Martin? something like that, but that kind of, you're going with your type of massage accent. They're all, aren't they? (laughs) No, not they're all. No, no, don't (laughs) stereotype here. Um, so anyway, uh, I go in there and they take me in this different room and it was like a smaller room. It was like, it didn't have a whole bunch of ambience. I mean, they tried, you know, the mood music and this and that. And she says, take off your shirt, lay face down and want to know, you know, where my pain was and all that stuff. I said, okay, yeah. okay, good. Well, there it was. <sighs> Let's just say that the masseuse did a fantastic job. Okay. She did a fantastic job. Great hands, but not really what I was expecting when the masseuse has a mustache. <laughs> She had a mustache. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Kind of kills what? the mood a little bit, doesn't it? <laughs> this is a Larry moment. This is a Kurt moment. I don't know, man. I don't know. Massage was good, though. But no, I, I'm happy. I, I feel good. Relieved. You look, I was going to say, you look relieved. Oh, and she said, too, you know, very tense. Very tense. Relax. Loosen up. I guess because I got to come and work with Numchuck. Always. Huh. All right. So, yes, that part of my 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 Tuesday. I was going to say that that's why you're dancing around. I was there. dancing. I, was, I, I, was feel like, I was like, okay. Good massage. I'm looking forward to my next one. So that part of my Tuesday was not terrible. It's Terrible Tuesday. That's terrible. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. That's a terrible idea. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. Something stinks in here. That's terrible. <laughs> it's Terrible Tuesday. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. Well, the Anaheim Angels. We talked a lot about that yesterday with Marco in that uh, great series, entertaining series, high-scoring series with the Astros and the Angels in Anaheim over the weekend. Well, Angels were back in action last night, and the Yankees came to town. How about that? Remember, we talked about it yesterday. The Angels were a slight favorite. Beware of Luis Severino for the Yankees. Don't want any part of him. Well, it worked out that way. The Angels defeat the Yankees last night 4-3 to in 10 innings. But the highlight was not the game-winning run. No, the highlight was the game-tying home run from Shohei Otani. And we know that Otani has been remarkable this season. He's been downright fantastic with leading the major leagues in home runs. But we know that the Angels have not. Angels have been pathetic. They've been downright terrible. They've been a disappointment. And every year when you think that the Angels are going to be good because you think, 
Well, they've got Otani. And they've got Mike Trout. Huh? And then they do have Anthony Rendon. Well, no, you don't, because Anthony Rendon's never healthy. He hasn't played more than 58 games for the Angels since he joined that team three years ago. So the Angels are a mess, and we know. But they did have a highlight because Otani went deep. But then there's a fly ball, left center field. Did he get it off? He flips the bat. Bader's at the wall. It's gone. It's tied. Shohei Otani, his 35th home run, and it's 3-3. There is no one like him. Shohei, no moment big enough. Shohei goes yard to tie it up. Wow. Showtime. His third hit tonight, a game-tying two-run homer. And, and a great bat flip, too, by the way. Wait, no, it's epic. The message very clearly sent that that man is the best player in the world. Maybe in the history of the world. Despite how many Giants have worn the uniform on the other side, that man is the Giant that stands above them all. They lost their hat. Everybody's lost their hat here after watching Shohei obliterate his 35th yes. homer. He's going on Gwen Stefani's Instagram. Yes. And I saw Quinn Stefani. She was watching the game there last night. Okay. Uh, they lost their mind in the home run. I get that. They were going nuts and they were celebrating. This is a game in July. This is not a game in October or let alone September. And yeah, he hit a monster blast. Tying, game tying home. I get that. But can we get off of the best of the best of the best? Or the best in the world? Why is it that people just love to just jump the gun here? The best of all time. The goat talk. And we always have to, you know, do the goat talk. Greatest of all time. Are you serious? Otani? The best of the best in the world of all time? And did you hear that Angels announcer talking about, and there's a lot of, uh, been a lot of greats in the years past. Wearing that other jersey of the Yankees referring to. What are you trying to say? Are you trying to say Babe Ruth, Roger Maris, uh, Yogi? I mean, you, you going to we'll go down all the list there? I don't get it. Why do this? And especially with that team and that franchise below 500, life or death to make the playoffs, probably not going to make the playoffs. I can't handle this. And when you're talking about the the greatest of all time and talking about the bat flip, oh, the bat flip? Uh, I don't know. I just, it, it's very, very irritating. You know, to hear announcers, there's, you know, being homers, I get that to a certain degree. But let's don't blame. This guy's great. There's no question. Should he be the MVP this year? Yes. But the greatest of all time? Let the guy finish his career. Let him keep playing. Let's see him for another 10 years. And let's see what happens here. Okay? Isn't this like year three for him? Something like that? Year three or four? Four, five. You know, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's early. Not enough to call no, him a goat no, at all. No, no, no. It's ridiculous. Well, the Angels have some decisions they have to make. Keep Otani. Trade Otani. That is the dilemma. But here's the deal. They got to make up their mind now. Because Angels owner... Artie Marino has said that he's not trading Otani. 
And this is causing a lot of backlash with people there. Like, well, yeah, you you need to trade him. He doesn't want to be here. He's sick and tired of the team losing. He wants to be on a winner. So you got to trade him and get something. Because if you just let him go at the end of the season, you could get absolutely nothing. Now, does Artie Marino want to be the guy that traded Shohei Otani or let him walk away for absolutely nothing? I mean, that's a distinction he's probably going to have to live with here. So they need to make some decisions here. But like I said yesterday, the time to trade Otani was last year in July when you really could have got something for him. But Marino was holding out hope. Well, maybe we'll be better next year. We can make the playoffs. We can have a whole nother year of, uh, you know, trying to, you know, court Shohei and, and show him that we could be good. No, you want another year and you want the rest of this year so you continue to make money. So you get fans to keep coming to your ballpark. To sell it out and thinking, oh, this is the last time we see Otani. These Angel fans don't give a damn about the Angels. Watching the Astros game this last weekend, the moment Otani made an out, went back to the dugout, you know where the fans went? To the concourse. Yeah. They went up to the concourse and they were hanging in the concourse to keep cool and they go, oh, Otani's going to lead off the next inning. He's going to bat second. Here we come. And they come running down. Those aren't baseball fans. Otani. Quintus Stefani wasn't even watching the game. When they went and zoomed on her outside, she was on her phone. And then she'd go, oh, yeah, that's me. Yeah, no, I mean, come on. No. What's terrible about this is that Artie Marino and the ownership, that's what's terrible, okay? It started with him changing the name of this city of the team. Not the team name. They always kept the Angels. Remember that? A lot of people forget about that. Back in 2005, they were the Anaheim Angels. Long time ago. That A, that stands for Anaheim and Angels. You notice they haven't gone to a LA on the hat, right? That's what he did because he thought it was a brilliant marketing move. Let's be the Los Angeles Angels or the Angels of Los Angeles. Remember all that nonsense? You know, that went over so bad in the city of Anaheim back then that the Anaheim city officials sued the team. They sued him. Suit Artie Marino and the team, right? Now, on the field, what Artie Marino has done, especially in the last 10, 12, 13 years, it's been a failure, all right? This team has not won a postseason game since 2009. Think about that. 2010, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, abbreviated, 21, 22, and now 23, Stinko. You can count. I'm, I'm impressed. Yeah, there, yeah, I had to use my fingers. You saw that. I right? saw that. Right. How many years that is? I have no idea. I didn't have time to carry the three at the divide. Yeah, 13, 14. Again, so, F, F math. There you go. <laughs> That's you. But on the field, they're a mess. How about some bad free agent signings? All right. Albert Pools. Remember when they signed him a $240 million contract? 240 back in 2012. That's 11 years ago. That number doesn't seem astronomical now, but it was back then. You remember that. How about this one for the ages? Josh Hamilton. All right. 125 million for what? Strikeout? A guy that batted a buck 60? Vernon Wells had all those great years with the Toronto Blue Jays. 2011. They signed him to a $126 million contract. Now remember, you got to take yourself back 12, 13 years. Atrocious. Anthony Rendon. 
There you go. We just talked about it. Has not played more than 58 games for this team since he came over from Washington. $245 million contract. And you gave Mike Trout way too much money. Yeah, I'll say it. They did. $426 million with the M. $426 million with no support help, no pitching, no help on the field. It's been a joke. This really is one of the worst franchises in Major League Baseball. And they've give, given away all their prospects over the last 10, 12 years. Farm system is no good. Minor League AAA's team, not any good. No. It's just, it, it's a terrible situation there in Anaheim. We'll continue to keep an eye if Otani stays or goes. But it's a no-win situation for them at all. All right, more news coming out of Evanston, Illinois. You know Evanston, don't you? Of course. Purple and white, baby. Purple and white. That's a nice area, though. Don't you like it? It's a very nice area. Northwestern. Pat Fitzgerald, remember, head coach fired. We talked about it last week when the hazing scandal broke out. Well, now we're finding out more. Yes. As we said, Fitzgerald was, was there for 17 years. Northwestern football players have spoken out. And roughly now a dozen athletes who competed at the school during the past 15 years have now filed lawsuits, all subject to the hazing that include included sexualized acts and racial discrimination now we're hearing. The lawsuits alleges that Fitzgerald took part in the harassment, the hazing, the bullying, the assault, and the abuse of athletes, along with adding... Com- uh, complainants to the future, the attorneys said they may also add more defendants as they learn more details about the case, including current ACC commissioner Jim Phillips, who worked at Northwestern as the athletic director during the majority of this time. Now, does he lose his job? We've seen this happen before, right? So, today, the filing comes one day after a separate group of eight Former Northwestern players announced that they intended to pursue legal action against the school. Those athletes are represented by a civil rights attorney. They have not yet filed their lawsuit, but plan to do so, likely with additional plaintiffs. Now, Fitzgerald has repeatedly and continually said he has no knowledge of hazing within the program and did not encourage it. Northwestern said it would not comment on any pending litigation, but you know it's coming. It really seems like the athletic department as a whole was culturally tainted in a way that permitted hazing, sexual harassment, and racial discrimination. This is what the attorneys are now saying. You know what this sounds a lot like to me? Doesn't this sound a lot like what happened in Michigan State? All right, And that was terrible. You know, what happened there with the doctors and you know the, the sexual abuse and all that. And what happened? More and more people came out. Even the Jerry Sandusky thing at Penn State. You know, others came out. It started off as one or two, and then more. All right? And how about this? Doesn't it sound a lot like, speaking of massages, Deshaun Watson? The list just grew and grew and grew and grew, right? You know, list of complaints from people coming forward. I think this is where it's going, and it's sad that that has to be, but keep, keep an eye on this one, man. This is just the beginning. And Pat Fitzgerald, 17 years, and just everyone thought of him as just being a great coach, big contract extension a few years ago. Man, 
his hands into this thing. Now you're talking about sexual abuse, hazing, harassment, racial discrimination. Not a good scene there in Evanston. All right. All right. It's been a while since we talked about TV time. I know you love my TV time. TV time. Are we talking Curb? Yeah, we're talking more bad TV. No, no, no. no. We're talking about bad TV. Oh, bad TV. So I'm flipping my channels last night because I had a little chance to relax. And I was, was watching these Angels and and uh, Yankees thing. And I saw the bat flip with Otani and all that. And I started flipping the channels. And ESPN! ESPN! And ESPN 2! What's on my TV? This nonsense! Pogo Palooza, high jump event. Each athlete has three falls they're allowed to take over the course of the competition. You have to clear the bar with the pogo stick and jump three times on the opposite side of the bar in order for the attempt to count. The world record had stood at 11 feet, 1.8 inches or since 2018 when Dmitry Arshneev said it. Dalton broke it, and Henry both broke it. Now, they use different techniques. I did a stick flip over 11 feet, 8 inches, my highest jump ever, and it ended up being the highest jump ever on a pogo stick up to this point. Dalton cleared 6 inches higher with a stick flip, where he flips the pogo stick around, where mine's a little bit different because I had to muscle the rest of the piston over the bar at the same time. Talking about weird stuff with Pittsburgh, it's like, oh, I was just walking around downtown, I saw a guy jump 12 feet on a pogo stick. Like, somehow, it's surprising, but also doesn't feel that out of the blue in this weird Pittsburghy way. Expo Let's go! Get this off of my television! What'd he say? A stick flip? Uh, I gotta love this. I have flip. the highest jump ever. Are you kidding me? What are you doing this thing? I didn't know it was the Ocho jump, time. Jump three times? So you jump three times, you, yeah. you do whatever it is to get over the bar, mm. and then jump. You have to When you land, you have to be able to control it for three bounces. Pogo. Pogo. Pogo La Palooza. I don't. I don't know why Pogo Palooza was. Oh, on. because they're trying to have fun. Exactly. Yeah. yeah I, I don't get it. I, uh, Pogo. I mean, that wasn't even fun when you were doing it. I mean, I don't even know if uh, anyone under the age of thirty-five or forty even knows what the heck a Pogo stick is. And now it's a TV show. Yeah. And now it's a competition. Yep. Unbelievable. We come back. Paul Gutierrez is going to straighten us out. We talk Raiders and we talk Josh Jacobs. Get the latest on that next. Hey, this is Steve Heitner, and lucky you, you're listening to the T.C. Martin Show. Uh, that's gold, baby, gold. Continuing on here on a Tuesday, and uh, plenty of NFL news to touch on today. And of course, we touch upon the Raiders, when none other than our good friend Paul Gutierrez, ESPN. Paul, what's going on, brother? What's going on, TZ? How you been? I'm, I've been good, man. Busy, busy, busy. Uh, a lot of traveling, and you know what that's all about, man. So, uh, yeah, uh, we know what that's about. But uh, no, I wanted to get with you here and, and, and talk a little off-season football because, as we know, training camp is right around the corner. Uh, rookie's going to report uh, as soon as next week. Uh, veterans five days after that here in Las Vegas. So I, I hate to break the news to you, my friend, but your off-season's done. All right, you're, you're, you're working now. Nonstop. You're going. You're going till February, as uh, Bill Belichick uh, once said. No days off for Paul Gutierrez. 
You know, well, here's the thing, though, TC, is there is no such thing as an offseason in football anymore. I so know, right? it just kind of like just maybe just basically means that uh, you're actually looking forward to it, from my perspective, to actually covering some games instead of chasing rumors and innuendos and sure. contract stuff. You know, where are the games? And I know we got some time before that, but that I think every uh, beat writer worth their salt will tell you that's what they're looking forward to. And uh, that's what I'm looking forward to is just getting into camp and, and seeing there's numerous storylines to follow anyway. Um, first and foremost at quarterback, but then you got the running back situation and you got everything else that comes along with it, the defense too. So that's what I'm looking forward to is just diving in and, and seeing these guys face to face. Absolutely. All right. Paul Gutierrez joins us. Does a fantastic job for ESPN, of course, covering the Raiders on the beat here in Vegas. The franchise tag deadline came and passed yesterday without any long-term deals for Josh Jacobs or Saquon Barkley. Uh, both more than likely will be sitting out training camp and let's focus in on Josh Jacobs, you know, with you. I mean, considering everything that went down last off season, uh, this is pretty much expected, right? No long-term deal. I believe so. And that's kind of the way I looked at it was you, you got the sense that, that they were going to talk and, and, and people that I talked to in the building yesterday said that, you know, Jacobs was there and they met face to face and, and from the Raider perspective, they want to put the best face on it anyway, right? So they, they told me that it was anything but contentious, the uh, deliberations that went back and forth, and that they said they took it up to the final possible minute before the deadline hit to get something done. They didn't get it done, so now the ball is totally, literally and figuratively in Josh Jacobs' hands as to when he wants to show up. And that's his right, because that's just the way this thing works out. What you, as a fan, I guess, what you're hoping for is that he does not come in disgruntled upset and let that affect his play in a negative way because if he was upset and disgruntled and not having his fifth year option picked up last year well then that worked its way out great not only for himself but for the team it's just that it's just a strange depressed market for running backs anymore um, you know you and i you know we're we're of a certain age where i, I remember when Running back was the glamour position, um, besides quarterbacks, obviously. But, you know, when you could run them out there, and it was Walter Payton and Eric Dickerson and, and uh, Marcus Allen and on and Earl Campbell and on and on and on. Those guys are, are not valued as much as those guys were back then. And, and to me, the most interesting thing to me that was pointed out was the tag for a running back this season, $10.091 million, is less than the tag was five years ago for a running back. And that just tells you right all you need to know about what the tag is and, and how underappreciated running backs are, especially when they get paid are going forward. And that is a great point. Uh, I don't really have heard anybody even talk about that or say that. And then of course now, you know, with social media and, you know, everybody getting word what's happening. I mean, we heard Derek Henry come out yesterday and talk about it. Other running backs have said, Hey, you know, Austin Eckler, uh, said in paraphrasing here, it was just like, Hey, uh, you know, nobody values, you know, this position. I mean, it's, it, it, it's ridiculous. So you got a lot of disgruntled running backs, you know, right now, even though the average fan will look at this or the naysayer will say, Hey, man, you're still making 10, 10 million, but you're right. It is a depreciated position. Uh, uh, the landscape is not there for the running back right now. Just from the, I would say maybe the yardage side of it, the money side of it, you know, you know, you know, all of it. And uh, I hope fantasy football owners realize that too, Paul, because I'm sick and tired of these guys drafting running backs with the first couple picks. <laughs> I mean, why can't they be like the regular NFL and draft quarterbacks, 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 and wide receivers? It's a passing league, but still, these ham and eggs want to draft running backs. 
That's another story. That's why I just, uh, yeah, that's why I take the, the Nancy Reagan approach and just say no to fantasy football. There you that's go. me. There you go. All right. We did hear that the Raiders made an offer to Josh Jacobs, right? But it wasn't to his liking. Yes. Do you know what the offer was? I don't. I've seen it. Uh, my colleague Adam Schefter has, has, has posited some theories out there about it that it was about the money. But I did see that Josh Jacobs, who's been, you know, to his credit, and to his detriment, I guess, has been really quiet throughout this whole process, except for some cryptic tweets. And he tweeted at somebody yesterday that uh, it wasn't about the money. It was about the security. So if it's about the security, that makes more sense. If, if you know, because that's what the thing about it. you, you sign the tag, you get that money. And it's a decent payday for, for the, the, the regular Joe, right? For, for 10 million a year. But, but I'm not trying to get in anybody else's pocket either. I'm always of the mind, get as much as you can when you can. So, if it's not about the money, then it's about the security, and the franchise tag does not give you security beyond that one year. So that makes all the sense in the world. No, and I think that's exactly what it is for anybody. who They don't want to be franchised. And this has been going on for years and years because they want to have that long-term deal. They want to, of course, there's more money that comes with that. But then again, you know, you're going to kind of guarantee that you're going to be, you know, with one team, live in one area, especially if you're a family guy. I mean, I think everybody wants to have that. That type of security and with that comes money comes larger signing bonuses and, and and all that other kind of stuff so i i get that now what have the negotiations been like or the conversations been like between the raiders and jacobs do you know has it been friendly has it been non-existent you said that josh was in the building yesterday they actually talked but what about uh the last couple months during the off season yeah it's been interesting because when we last talked to Josh, and last time Josh really made himself available to talk about the subject was the day after the season on Locker Cleanout Day, and and he said he wants to be back. He wants to to be a part of this. They, you know, when he was drafted, he and Max Crosby were among that draft class where they said, "Hey, we need to change the culture and make things happen and turn this into a winner again." And and you see flashes of it since they both been in the NFL. But he also said, and he was real cryptic with this in his words, he said, "It's got to make sense." And to me, the first thing I thought of, as in dollars and cents, right? I mean, you need the security, you need the payday, and unfortunately, you know, I've covered baseball as well. Um, baseball contracts are kind of paid out based upon what the player is expected to do. Football contracts are kind of paid out the exact opposite. I'm sorry. Baseball is about what they've done. Football is about right. what they're expected to do. So with the running back, but the shelf life of running back is not that long. That's why the value of, of a running back has been depreciated so much. So when he says that, it's got to make sense. Well, what does that look like? What does that mean? As the offseason gone on and there was just different cryptic tweets from him where at one point he said, uh, sometimes it's not about us. we got to take care of those that come after us. Well, to me, that means he wants to affect the market that uh, depreciates running backs. And yet here we are. So... Again, I, I just heard from the Raider perspective, Josh's side has been really quiet about the whole thing, but the Raiders, and again, they want it to be very non-confrontational um, because we might be facing the same situation again from now if they tag him again or if he has another great season. But the way I was told was that from the Raider perspective, they felt good about where negotiations ended because that gives them a starting point going into next season. Because again, because he didn't sign the tag, or not because he didn't sign the tag, because they didn't... Um, come to a long-term agreement by the deadline, they cannot now have a new contract until the end of this coming season. So if and when he decides to play, he's going to be on that franchise tag number of $10.091 million. How do you think this plays out moving forward? I don't know. I don't know. Because until I talk to Josh or see his face or see his body language, you just don't know. 
And he said all the right things last year. It was obvious, though, that he was not happy that he didn't have his fifth-year option picked up, and, and he proved it. Yep. He showed it on the field. He took a lot of that anger out on opposing teams when he becomes the first Raider running back to lead the league in rushing since Marcus Allen. So this seems a little different, but again, I don't, I don't want to try to get in anybody's head and say it. it. Just as an observer and somebody that's covered the league for a while, this feels different, but we'll see when Josh does show up. If nothing else, the Raiders kind of did him a solid by switching his number from 28 to 8, his college number. And I know he wanted to do that a couple years ago anyways, but now that his rookie contract is up, now he can kind of go ahead and do that, and it makes a little bit more sense. But, yeah, I I don't know. Long answer to your short question, I don't know until we talk to Josh and or see him and see his body language. And he gets number eight since Marcus Mariota's gone, too. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, even though there's no comparison, who's more valuable with that number eight? Uh, but that will yeah. look, uh, that, it's always looking strange sometimes, you know, when you see these NFL running backs, you know, wearing the single digits, you know. But, um, all right, does this scream Le'Veon Bell to you? I mean, you've been covering this league a long time. I mean, remember Le'Veon Bell, when he did this with, with, with the Steelers, his career was never the same. No, and he apologized. He apologized to the Steelers fans for doing it. So it's, if, if nothing else, yeah, he made his point. He went nuclear. He pulled a nuclear option. But at the end of the day, I believe by his apologizing, it serves as a cautionary tale. Um, you know, and with Josh, you know, what he came from, what he grew up with, growing up homeless, living in a car with his, with his siblings and with his, his dad, um, you know, he's, there's a little bit different of an appreciation there, so to speak. Um, you know, not, not taking anything away from what Bell did, but, I I can't see him sitting out the whole time, and, and maybe for his body. And that was one time because I did have a couple of conversations with Josh toward the end of the season last year, before he started getting dinged up. This was late in the season, late November, and he was stunned. I, I, honestly, I think it was after the Seattle game when he had the 86 yard walk off, mm-hmm. and he just told me he was stunned with how little dinged up he was. He had no aches, no pains, no bruises, nothing, and he was just running like crazy. The last month of the season, though, it took its toll on him. So maybe by not doing training camp, the mindset is, hey, I'll come in even that much fresher in that that less month at the beginning of the season serves him better towards the end. But as we all know, there's nothing like taking a real, I guess we don't know, but what they tell us, <laughs> there's nothing like taking a live NFL hit um, coming straight off the street like, uh, like he would. And, and again, being old enough to remember this, I remember when Eric Dickerson held out in uh, 1985, I want to say, and he just did not look the same. And that was after he ran for 2,105 yards and set the record. That's so true. it's real interesting how much these guys need just to get a little bit of that taste, that, that hit, because they're not getting it in the preseason games. They get more work um, in those joint practices, and they've got a pair of them back-to-back when they play host to the 49ers, and then they go play the Rams. They're gonna That's where the starters and those guys are going to get it. So maybe that should be around the time to look for them to maybe show up to get some run at that point. All right, final thing here for you, Paul. Uh how does this affect the Raiders' offense, say, without Jacobs? And then the other part of this, give us a Jimmy Garoppolo update because, uh, you know, we still don't know how, he, how he's going to be and react to, you know, coming off uh, the offseason surgery. Uh, quick thoughts on those two things. Yeah. So Garoppolo, again, from what I'm told, is they expect, him to, they expect to ease him into training camp. Uh, what that means, what that looks like, I don't know. I mean, they report on Tuesday, first practice is Wednesday. Uh, we'll see if he's out there. And then <laughs> that'll be the, the story of the day. Jimmy Garoppolo is either there or he's not. Right here and now, I'm told that they expect to ease him in, whatever that means. Um, how does this affect the offense without if Josh Jacobs isn't there? It's interesting because Josh McDaniels told me last year that Jacobs – 
success and his productivity as a single running back surprised him because he's never really had that in his career as a play caller. He's always had the running back by committee. So if Josh isn't there, I guess you kind of lean, and it might be crazy talk whistling past the graveyard to think this way, but if he's not there, then they can do the running back by committee with Amir Abdullah, Brandon Bolden, and a healthy dose as Amir White. The, the negative to that, though, those three guys last season – they combined for just 156 rushing yards on 38 carries and no touchdowns last year. So that's that's a lot of productivity they got to make up. Could Zamir White be that guy that maybe comes out of nowhere? I mean, again, very good college career, you know, at Georgia, uh, very similar to to Jacobs when he was at Alabama. Uh, but you know, I've kind of liked what I've always kind of seen from Zamir White in college and the little bit that we've seen of him here. Quick thoughts on him. Yeah, I don't know if he has that same shiftiness that Josh does, but then again, I don't know who does, right? I mean, when Josh gets to that second level, he's real shifty and makes guys miss. Zamir, in his limited touches last year, you didn't really see that, but you saw a flash here and there of how he could be a power back, of how he could have that second gear. So, I don't know. He's got to stay healthy, um, and and we're going to get a good dose of him in the preseason especially in those preseason games. So we'll, that, that'll tell the tale a little bit there as well. He is Paul He is Paul Gutierrez, ESPN. Paul, appreciate the time as always. Look forward to talk with you during the course of training camp and this season. Rest up, my friend, and uh, we look forward to talking with you down the road. My pleasure. No off-seasons. That's it, baby. No days off, no off-seasons. Take care, brother. Take care. All right, there he is. Uh, fantastic job. Uh, does a fantastic job not only with covering the NFL, but I remember, you know, Paul covering Major League Baseball um, back in the day, and uh, with ESPN does a great job. And of course, he's on that Raiders beat. This thing is going to play out, uh, and it's going to be that circus that we talked about. You're, for again, what now? What the third year in a row? You're going to get circus at training camp. You know, Devonte Adams. You know, last year, Josh McDaniels. The year before, everything that you know was transpiring with with, with Gruden, um, you know, having your president basically quickly resign. Another circus thing. I know Josh Jacobs wants to be here, but the point you got to remember, and Paul did a great job bringing it up. Last year, he was in the same situation. He felt undervalued. I don't want to say he wanted to stick it to the Raiders, but he wanted to send a message. He wanted to say, listen, you're not picking up my fifth-year option. You're going to make me prove it. Man, I just hope I get the touches and I get the opportunity to prove it, especially with a new coaching staff with Josh McDaniels. And But give it to Josh Jacobs because he led the league in rushing with over 1,600 yards. He led the league in touches. That means rushing and receiving touches at 393. And he did everything that you could ask for from a running back playing basically for his contract life. And he was suspecting good faith and he stayed healthy, which is tough to do, especially with the Raiders offensive line. Very tough to do. So I do feel for him. Like, okay, man, you know, you could have just held out last year, said, trade me right now, but he goes, nope, I'm going to stick it out and I'm going to give everything I got. And like Paul said, this is a guy, remember, that was homeless. He didn't have any money growing up. Okay. This is before NIL when he was at Alabama. You know, he wasn't getting money. 
and then you come into their NFL and you get the rookie minimum. And now it's his chance for his payday and he will get $10 million, 10.1 to be exact to under the franchise tag. But yet you want to have that longevity. You want to have that job security. And that's exactly what's happening with Saquon Barkley right now. He wants that exact same thing. And it is a different landscape for the running back. Even though $10 million is is a nice payday, but it'll be interesting to see how this thing shifts now where we know the quarterback is the sought-after product. Everything runs through the quarterback. All right? But believe me, the teams that win, they still have a strong running game. Whether it's running back committee like we saw with the Chiefs, have the Chiefs have done, but you... It's nice to have that workhorse because the Tennessee Titans will always be a threat as long as they have Derrick Henry. So I don't think the position is a dinosaur. Could it get all wide open where it just turns into straight flag football with nothing but receivers? I mean, we've seen that. We've seen over the last eight to 10 years. But remember, what do you do in third and one? What do you do in third and twos? You know, and we've seen a lot of teams, you know, Go for it more on fourth down now. And we've seen a lot of teams throw the ball on these situations. It's nice to have that, that security blanket in a Derrick Henry or a Josh Jacobs or an Austin Eckler who does everything and Saquon Barkley to a certain degree. But I'm not as high on Saquon Barkley because again, he really hasn't proven it because he's been injured and he's been with a bad football team with a bad quarterback and a bad offensive line. The Raiders are going to be a circus again, more than likely, hate to say it, during the course of training camp because Josh Jacobs more than likely won't be there. And why should he be there? You know, until he signs a long-term deal. I know Mark Davis. I think deep downside, Mark would like to keep Josh here. I mean, look what Mark has done with the Aces. Now, granted, those contracts are not nearly as big, and the financial commitment is not nearly as big, but the bottom line is he's built a winner with the Las Vegas Aces and has been able, between himself and Nicky Vargas and Natalie Williams, to say, hey, you know, stick around here. Let's try to create a dynasty here. Everybody take a little bit less so we can keep this team together. And the bonding is totally different with a WNBA team, with women, you know, compared to the egos and everything that goes on International Football League with a team. So there aren't many parallels there. I know we'd like to try to connect just because Mark Davis owns both teams and you see, hey, well, he's built a winner, you know, with the aces and the chemistry is great and they do nothing but win and nobody, underline nobody holds out a training camp. Nobody can, you know, um, you know, is, is talking about, hey, I want more money, but you usually don't see that really in the league. And thank goodness that the women in the WNBA have not, that hasn't trickled down from the people in the NBA or NFL or Major League Baseball. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Josh Jacobs. I hope he does stay here. I think he's a great addition. And again, if the Raiders are going to have any chance this year, I mean, you can't keep doing a revolving door of coaches. This will be year number two under McDaniels. You got uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, who's a proven winner. He can adapt. He knows the system. And then you got Devontae Adams coming back for a second year. They still got to shore up the defense. They really didn't do much to address that in the draft or really free agency. But offensively, they should be an elite team. 
especially if Jacobs comes back. So the fact that he was sitting in his car mm-hmm. in the parking lot yes. with Max Crosby. Yes. What does, does that, that, what does that, that tell you? That tells you that he, that he wants to be on this team. He does. That he wants to be. I get it. But, like, you want the extra money. I would have just. I, I would have been fine with it. The franchise tag? Yeah. Okay. Considering I, I understand like, nobody likes it. You know yeah, that. I, I understand, understand nobody likes it, but But it, it what happened last year, that's still in the back of his mind. Even yeah. though Josh has done a great job of hiding that. You know, he really can't tell. I mean, he's not real disgruntled. I mean, yes, he's had some cryptic tweets over the last year, going back to last yeah. year as well, too, this time. So yeah, there there's some ill will there. Yeah. But to be with Matt Crosby in the parking lot is just kind of say, hey, you're my brother. You, you've been through this. You know what this is all about. I want us to stay together. But you're right. He could have not, not that, showed up in person. He, he could have just somewhere, sent, sent he could have been agent. somewhere else. Hey. Yeah. And sent the but agent. he's there right. with brothers. Yeah. Let's do this. Yeah. Let's. Yeah. Yeah. It uh, it begs a question. You know? I mean, how much does he really want to, want to be here? And when it's all said and done. <laughs> Who's going to be in his ear? Is it going to be the agent or is it going to be Max Crosby? And again, with a quarterback, now if Derek Carr was still here, they would, they would be in contact. Oh yeah. And they would, and Derek would say, Hey man, I could hear Derek right now. Trust the Lord. Everything's going to work out. You're blessed. Blah, blah, blah. We got chance here. Da, 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 all that stuff. But now, I mean, Derek said that for how many years? What, nine years? Yeah, exactly. And then now he's coming back and saying, wow, I was so distracted last year. It comes in after the fact. I get it. And Josh Jacobs could play like that this year as well, the entire season. We'll see how it all plays out. All right, Saquon Barkley, same thing. He he, he he's not showing up. We know he's not showing up at in Giants camp because he's playing a little bit more hardball. Yeah, he, he he wants nothing to do with any of that stuff with the Giants. All right, we'll continue that. Uh, remember, training camp right around the corner. Rookies getting ready to to report, man. Couple days, they're ready to go. Veterans coming up July 25th. Training camp underway here. It'll be interesting to see how many of these veterans play during the course of these preseason games as well, too. All right, we've seen that less and less and less. All right, we come back on the other side of the hour. You know, we got Al Bernstein is going to join us. One of the most uh, anticipated fights. Coming up with Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence Jr. We'll talk to Al about that. Plus, you know we're going to get some music going with Al Bernstein. We're going to be talking all about that. Because Al's going to be back at the Tuscany next week with my man Kenny Davidson. Those guys, what a pair they are. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be fight week here next week. We just leave the basketball, the NBA Summer League. Now we turn to fight week. That's going to be fantastic. All right, we'll talk to Al Bernstein. We'll also talk to Chuck Esposito from the Red Rock as we talk betting and more. Talk a little Major League Baseball, a little look ahead to the NFL, and all that. Coming your way in hour number two here on this terrible Tuesday. Ladies and gentlemen. Ali, a sneaky right hand. Another sneaky right hand. This time he works over the shoulder of Foreman. 
Frazier. Down goes Frazier. Down goes Frazier. The heavyweight champion is taking the mandatory eight count, and Foreman is as poised as can be. In the entertainment capital of the world. Right now he backs off from a sharp right uppercut to the body by Tyson. Again, a double right hand to the body and the chin. Down goes Lorenzo Boy. The count is five. The count is six. The count is eight. He will not get up. It's over. It's the T.C. Martin Show. The man is dangerous. He's dangerous. He's crazy. And don't give a damn about nothing. That's true. He says, ah, come at you. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. Fighting out of the blue corner. T.C. Martin. As he hit it with that punch, I think his eyes went into separate orbits there. The doctor is now in. Let's get it on. Number two on this Tuesday, appreciate Paul Gutierrez joining us from ESPN, talking a little Raiders, Josh Jacobs, NFL training camp right around the corner, and you know what else right around the corner, one of the most anticipated fights that we've been waiting for coming up next week, we'll get a little head start on that with our uh, next guest, hang tight for that, and uh, we continue on, remember uh, hitting the road Tomorrow is the Aces back in action after the All-Star break. Seattle on Thursday. Minnesota on Saturday. And Chicago on Tuesday. So a little lengthy uh, road trip. And the Aces back in action currently 19-2. and Right now, best record in the WNBA. So we got all that covered for you. So yeah, I'll have some fill-in hosts uh, for me uh, coming up in the next, uh, what, my goodness, what, five, six shows. And we'll be back at it on th- uh, Thursday when we will be broadcasting live from the MGM Grand as we uh, get ready for Terrence Crawford and Earl Spence. And uh, we talk about that with our very good friend, the man who will be on the call with uh, Showtime pay-per-view. We know that it'll be exciting. It's here in Vegas, actually at T-Mobile Arena. The one and only, the Hall of Famer himself, Al Bernstein, joins us now. What's up, Al? Hey, TC. Good to talk to you. And before we get into any boxing stuff, This season for the Aces that you've been chronicling is the most exciting. And I'll tell you what, I think that team, that starting five, when Candace Parker is healthy, might be the best starting five in the history of the WNBA. It's funny you say that, Al, because I have said that and kind of been banging the drum for those that really haven't followed the WNBA very much, you go back to the Houston Comets teams mm-hmm. and you're going back in the late nineties and you know early two thousands. Yeah. That team won four in a row. Cheryl Swoops. Yeah, that was and, an amazing ball club. Oh yeah. And but that was known as the team of the greatest team ever. I'll make that argument right now that yeah, this Aces team is rivaling the Houston Comets and mm-hmm. especially in modern time. And you know, you know what's kind of funny, Al, is that you know, the WNBA over the years, they've had those kind of dynasties. You go back to the Minnesota Lynx, the uh, no. L.A. Sparks. You know, they, we have seen that. And um, it's one of the few leagues that, that kind of has that. And I really believe that the Aces are in the midst of that right now. And I appreciate you saying that. And I appreciate you following it. Yeah, I love, I love watching them. And I listen to you when I can't watch. And it's, uh, 
It's just amazing. It's a great brand of basketball, and uh, they're playing great. So very exciting. There you go. All right. So, Al, I know that um, this is fight week uh, coming up next week. We're going to get a little uh, early head start on this, but I don't know about you, but really been looking forward uh, to this fight. It seems like it's been a long time uh, coming. And uh, we talk about Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence Jr. Uh, I'm curious, Al, how excited are for you uh, about this fight? Yeah, very excited. You know, boxing, it seems like with boxing, no matter how many good matches are being made, and there have been many in the last couple of years, boxing always has one fight that's the poster kid for, oh, boxing doesn't make the right matches. This was that fight. Years ago, it was Pacquiao Mayweather. Now it's this fight. And this fight took a while, as you point out. They are in their 30s, but they're both Spence and Crawford are still very, very good fighters. They're both undefeated, and I think is one of the most fascinating and interesting matchups uh, in boxing in quite some time. And uh, I'm very thrilled to be able to announce it. You know, I've, I've been really fortunate um, over the years uh, to get to do fights that are meaningful. You know, the first part of my career, I was, uh, I, I even though I was doing the, the ESPN fights that were, you know, not all major fights by any stretch. There was a series that we had, and they weren't major fights. But uh, but even at that time, I got to do a lot of pay-per-views with the big-name guys. And then, uh, then when I got to Showtime, I got to do so many of the Showtime championship fights. And, and so it's, it's, I'm excited because I think this one is going to be a kind of a historical event. I agree with you. So where... Does this rank for you personally on, say, highly anticipated fights for you as, I would say, a boxing fan, boxing observer, but then again, from being in that seat ringside and in, in, in calling one of the biggest fights ever here? Yeah, it's way up there. You know, it, it approaches the, the, the four Kings fights. You know, I did Hagler Hearns. I did um, a number of other major fights during that time. And I, you know, I've done many kinds of tech, Mayweather, you know, I've done a lot of big fights and this one is way up there because there's clearly the two best fighters in that division that have been for the last several years. And more importantly, they're, they're two fighters that everybody's wanted to see in the ring together. So yeah, this is very high up there in terms of, an anticipated match that I am very, very curious how it's going to play out. And I've watched a lot of video in the last, you know, uh, week or so of both fighters. And honestly, you know, I know that everybody always, you know, talks about the fact that I don't like to predict fights that I, that I announce. But in this case, if I wasn't announcing this fight and I was on your radio show and you asked me who's going to win, I don't know if I would have a pick. <laughs> I mean, for the the casual boxing fan, I mean, you can look at the records alone and say, wow, this is going to be a great fight. I mean, somebody's O's got to go. They're both undefeated. Terrence Crawford, 39-0 with 30 knockouts. Earl Spence Jr., 28-0, 22 knockouts. This is more than, than worthy. And I think that there was a, a time here, Al, with these two fighters that we might not get this fight. Or, you know, we've had this trend over oh, the last five, ten years where sometimes we, we get these much-anticipated fights, but they're, you know, 
past when we wanted to. And of course, yeah. you look at Mayweather and Pacquiao, and there's been a few others like that as well, too. And because of contractual obligations, you know, that each fighter had with their very, you know, previous promoters, it looked like this fight wasn't going to happen. But talk about how it did come to happen. And both were on opposite networks. And now they've landed really with Showtime, which is kind of unusual and kind of surprising, right? Yeah, I think, yeah, both, look, they, when Terrence Crawford, uh, and they were left top rank, and there were numerous efforts made to make the fight. It was very close to being on the finish line. Oh, I don't, gonna say eight, nine, ten months ago, whatever. Uh, didn't quite get made. Uh, they, they, everybody stuck to their guns eventually, went back to the table. They, they figured that out, and, um, and and between the, the you know all both of the camps and the promoter and Showtime and and everybody they they just stuck to their guns to see if they could get this deal made and they it's they they did it for a two fight deal with the, you know way a uh, rematch being uh, available to whoever wants to exercise it um, and so that makes it even more intriguing in my opinion because it means you know there's a the the second fight if they if they have a great fight uh second fight is locked in so um i think it's you know that kind of adds a, an extra uh allure to it there are two common opponents for each fighter that is Sean Porter and Kell Brook both Crawford and Spence fought both of those guys in in, in really exciting fights can we learn anything from those fights as we look at this fight, Al? Yeah, you know, uh, Spence fought Kell Brook earlier in his career when he was a better fighter. Uh, uh, Crawford fought Porter a little later in his career. In fact, it was the last fight Porter would fight to this point. He may still come back, but um, so we had a dichotomy in that sense. But, but Brook was certainly more diminished when Porter fought, when uh, Crawford fought him. Porter not much more diminished when Crawford fought him uh, than the uh, than when he fought uh, Spence. So Spence probably fought both those men at a slightly younger and more uh, you know vibrant part of their career. Uh, I, you know, many people understand that Porter did well against Spence. Yes. Some people think he could have won that fight. It could have easily gone his way against Crawford. The fight was a very close fight, but then Crawford won by TKO. Controversy surrounding that because Porter's father stepped in. Some people wonder if it was premature that he stopped the fight uh, from the corner. So it's it's hard to glean from those fights too much, other than the fact that we, you know, they both. Uh, prevailed against those two opponents. Uh, and, you know, Porter did better, certainly, again, a little better against Spence, but not that much better. So, uh, you know, common opponents in boxing a lot of time don't reveal too much in any case. There are occasions when it does because of the style factors, but I don't think that's the case here. Yes, yes. Looking forward to it. Al Bernstein, who will be on the call. It'll be Showtime pay-per-view, the event at T-Mobile Arena Sellout crowd expected there on uh, a week from Saturday night. Uh, can hardly wait for Terrence Crawford and Earl Spence Jr. Uh, when you look at the betting odds here, Al, 
It was Terrence Crawford is a slight favorite, and in, and in boxing, anytime you get maybe a two to one favorite or less, that's almost considered a pick'em in comparison to football or basketball or, or, or baseball. But this really is kind of a toss-up fight, and I think that some people may be a little surprised that Terrence Crawford is the favorite in this fight. Uh, your thoughts on on the favorite? Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic there. Uh, you know. I personally see this fight as pretty much a, you know, pick em fight. However, it's interesting. Many people, if you thought, you would think in a fight this close, if you talk to people, they would say, oh boy, I don't know. You know, more people that I talk to have a definite pick in this fight, even though it appears some people don't, but a lot of people just, oh, Crawford's definitely going to win. Oh, Spence is definitely going to win. And they enunciate their reasons. Um, I don't think it's shocking that Crawford is a slight favorite in this fight. You know, he's had, there's a, a certain aura about Terrence Crawford that he's, now granted, Errol Spence undefeated and hasn't, you know, other than that Porter uh, close fight, you know, he's pretty much controlled his fate, you know, in a dramatic way. Mm. But I think they, there's an aura around Terrence Crawford that he is a guy that just refuses to figure out how to lose. Um, and, I think maybe that might have been what, what ultimately made him a slight favorite in this fight, and apparently the money is on his side a little bit. Uh, but I but I think it's such a 50-50 fight, and I can give you, you know, there are reasons why you can, you know, suggest that as Errol Spence is likely to win this fight. Many reasons you can suggest that Terrence Crawford can win it. You can certainly see Spence walking him down, uh, getting to the body, being very effective, making it a rough and tough fight on the inside, not that Crawford isn't capable of fighting there. You can also see Crawford using his switching style from lefty to righty to really befuddle Spence uh, and and punch at long range and show some of that deceiving power that he has. Even though he's come up from lightweight, uh, Terrence Crawford can hit as a welterweight. So you can make case for both fighters. You know, we always say, Al, that styles make fights, and, and that is so true. But, you know, when you're talking about world championship fights and garnishing attention and, you know, pay-per-view numbers and even live gate numbers, you got to factor in the personalities as well, too. And kind of like wrestling, you know, you, you like to have a, a baby face or, or you know, a, a favorite against, mm-hmm. a, against a heel. And I'm not sure that we have that in this fight. And I'm not sure that we have these just, you know, bulging personalities, whether they're big trash talkers. I mean, these guys kind of have a little of that in them, but for the most part, they're kind of soft spoken guys and they've never been one to really kind of stir up the pot. How do you see this playing out as we, you know, get to the final press conference here next week? And do you feel any true animosity between these two fighters? I know that we're, we're starting to hear a little respect, especially from the suspense side, but tell me what your take is from that angle. Yeah, I, I'm a, well, I'm one of those people that I don't really, you know, maybe I'm in the minority. I don't need to have that for a fight to be a really exciting and interesting fight for me. Sure. Some people do. They like yeah. when people stir the pot more. Um, I want a good fight. I think at the end of the day, both these guys have great respect for each other. Yes, they have done some some uh, back and forth between each other. Even that honestly seems forced to me um, between the two of them. Uh, and and they both, I, listen, there's no question they're both 
supremely confident going into this fight. This is a fight that, in terms of its broader appeal, is going to depend. This is going to maybe sound weird, but it's just going to depend on who covers this fight. In other words, these are two really terrific boxers in the fight that all the sports media kept yammering about. We need, why doesn't boxing make Spence Crawford? Why doesn't boxing make Spence Crawford? Well, I hope every one of the people that said that now cover this fight because the mainstream sports media, now you're one of the people that you cover everything, but, and you do cover boxing, but there are a lot of the mainstream sports media that just kind of has given up on the sport and doesn't really do anything with it. Uh, maybe occasionally in a big fight, but if they, if they say that and they may want boxing to make this and they have boxing fans that are part of their universe of listeners, viewers, or, or readers, then I hope they cover the, the fight. And, and you can cover an event. I mean, what was the, there was a recent thing in another sport where they were, Oh, I know what it was. Somebody who was it? It was Chris Maddox or somebody that said the, the, the nuggets are boring. Yeah. They don't have a wild personality. <laughs> well, I find the Nuggets anything but boring. Right. I find them to be one of the most fascinating NBA teams of recent years. And the same is, can be true of this fight. Crawford and Spence are both superb fighters. They are not one-dimensional. They are exciting. They are interesting. And everybody who is an interest in this sport in any way cares about whether they win. So I'm hoping that uh, this gets covered the way it should be. That is a great point, Al. And you're so right because, again, you don't get a lot of mainstream uh, guys, women, outlets that, that will cover this. And, again, this is the best fight that boxing could offer probably at any weight class. There's no question about it. And you're right. The the ultimate success maybe with the, you know, how many pay-per-views it draws is, you know, how the media covers this. Uh, you you bring up yeah, a, a, a great point, but I, and I love and I and again, yeah. I love this. Like you said, I mean, you know, for me, I've been waiting for this, but again, anytime there's going to be a world championship fight of this caliber, even if it's not this caliber, yeah, we're going to cover. It. We're 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 going to we're going to love to talk about it. And I I hope that that rings true across the board. So great point. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's you know, nobody's obligated to do anything in the media. They can do what they want, but I just think, especially given the you and cry about it, and I hope they do because it's a quality event. And uh, um, and I and I think while yes, you're right, these are not sometimes the stories outside the 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 ring or off the court or off the diamond are bigger than life. Sometimes they're not, right? Sometimes we're, and back in the day, I mean, with us become more of a, a factor in the last 20 or 30 years, you know, there was a time where nobody cared one hoot about whether anybody trash talked or anybody, whatever, I, you know, they just were interested in what happened within the, 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 you know, the foul lines or the court lines or the ring. Yeah, very true. Al Bernstein joins us. And of course, uh, Al will be on the call uh, ringside coming up next Saturday night, T-Mobile Arena. It is uh, Showtime pay-per-view, Terrence Crawford and Earl Spence Jr. Now, hopefully we can get a lot of the media to cover the other uh, exciting event that's taking place next week, Al. Next Thursday night, they're the breaking news, ladies and gentlemen. It has arrived. It has come. And wait a minute. I'm not even going to deliver the breaking news because it was promised by our guest that he was going to break the news on this show. So I, I hope this is breaking news from you, Al Bernstein. <laughs>
Let's go to our on-the-spot reporter who covers everything in the world. Let's go to Al Bernstein. There you go. Well, we can reveal that uh, next Thursday at the um, Tuscany uh, Suites and Casino uh, in the Piazza Lounge, I will be performing a, a musical show that will be like a kickoff of the boxing weekend. Uh, we're going to have um, music. We're going to have uh, boxing trivia, and we're going to give prizes away in addition to all the music we do. We're going to give away uh, Showtime's provide a lot of great prizes, and uh, we're going to give away tickets to uh, a future Showtime fight. And I'm going to be performing, uh, you know, my array of songs from the Great American Songbook and some country and some blues. And uh, we should have a fun evening over there. Kenny Davidson, the maestro, is going to be uh, the musical director. I've got some really wonderful band members uh, lined up. And uh, the shows are, they're going to have a show at 8 o'clock and a show at 9.30. And uh, you can come anytime during that. It doesn't have to, doesn't have to correspond to the show. And uh, there's no cover charge. So anybody can come by at the Tuscany and uh, enjoy. Look at this. All right. So now, you know, usually we we have Kenny Davidson and, and you host a lot on the Friday night. So we're bumping this up to the Thursday. So, uh, what's the reason for that? And this is just we get a, a well, bonus night, right? Kenny's, yeah? Well, yeah, Kenny's show is his show on Friday, but right. I wanted to do my own thing and so uh, and structure it a little differently. So, I worked out with the Tuscany to do my own show on Thursday, Beautiful. but I am going to have Kenny do uh, be the musical director. Yeah. So, uh, and it's a little better. It works a little better for me two nights before the fight. Yeah. So, uh, and most of the folks are going to be in town. And of course, the folks here in Las Vegas, of course, um, are already here, so they can come by. So, um, yeah. So it, it just seemed like a, a good idea to do a Thursday night, and uh, we're going to have some fun. Look at that. So this is a, an Al Bernstein production. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I listen. This I did this. I've done this over the years. I the first show I ever did of oh, this I know. nature, yeah. well, as you know, was yeah. back in 1987 before the Hagler Hearns or Hagler Leonard fight, and then over in the 80s and into the early 90s, I did it at Caesar's Palace yep. and other places, and then I started doing the boxing party show at the Mandalay Bay, uh, leading up to big fights in the 2000s. And then, uh, so I thought, you know, this would be fun to kind of revive it a little bit. And, and uh, since I kind of have a home away from a home at the Tuscany, I thought that would be the appropriate place to do it. Great stuff, Al. That's great. It's about time you, uh, you know, resurrected that, you know? That's, that's- I know. You know, I, uh, it, it's been, uh, we were getting ready to do it for the, before the Davis-Garcia um, fight, but it didn't quite work out. Uh, so uh, so we, we figured we'd kick it in here and... It should be a lot of fun. I have a, a very fine vocalist, Selena Sasso, uh, who's a, one of the most talented young singers, in uh, female singers or male singers, for that matter, in Las Vegas. She's going to uh, be my guest performer. And, uh, of course, we got Kenny and everybody else, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, that's going to be great. Uh, looking forward to that. It's next Thursday night at the Piazza Lounge inside the Tuscany. Great venue. Uh, up close and personal with Al Bernstein, Kenny Davidson, obviously uh, one of the best, no question about it. Best lounge act year in and year out there at the Tuscany. It's going to be Thursday night, 8 and 9.30, and uh, that's going to be fantastic. I can I can hardly wait to see the, the who's who's in the crowd there, Al. Now, what about from your voice? Well, vo- that's another thing. We should have yeah. a lot of boxing uh, personalities and celebrities there and the uh, some fighters and other folks. So, uh, you know, and we're going to, 
with this music and then I'll have a segment in each show, like I say, where we do some boxing trivia, we talk about the fight and give some prizes away. So um, it'll be fun. All right. Now, you got to protect your voice with that, Al. I mean, I don't know how many songs you're actually going to be you'd be singing and doing here. You know, so uh, wait, wait. <laughs> yeah, I better be ready for Saturday night. That's huh? what I'm saying. I'm just, yeah, I don't know. Now, well, well, here, here's a funny story. Now, that Hagler Leonard uh, thing, when I did that show, this shows you how insane I was then. <laughs> I did a show on Friday night, which was the night before Hagler Leonard. We did a show, an ESPN fight outdoors at that same arena. I did a whole ESPN top ranked boxing show. Had an hour in between and went and did my shows in the Olympic Lounge. <laughs> wow, that was insane. So I so I'm so this will luckily be not as taxing as that. Of course, I was a little younger then too. That's it. Oh, great stuff. All right, my friend. Well, we look forward to that, and then um, we'll try we'll, we'll try to touch base with you too. Hopefully, uh, one more time uh, before yes, the fight we'll, uh, as well too. And we want to keep promoting uh, your event at the Tuscany next Thursday as well. Appreciate it. And then, yeah, next week we'll, we'll be even closer to the fight. And we'll also have uh, some more news about it, I'm sure, and more, uh, you know, the interaction between the fighters and all the rest. No question. All right, my friend. Uh, all right, keep rehearsing. We look forward to it. And we'll see you next Thursday. You got it. Take care. Look forward to seeing you there and uh, all the fans as well. You got Take it, care. Brother. Take care. There he is, Al Bernstein, the best. No question. Uh, boxing, International Boxing Hall of Famer, Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame as well, too. And uh, it's been doing this a long time. But, yeah, for people who have been around Las Vegas, you remember those days. With Al Bernstein, you know, singing at Caesars. And he's been doing the Tuscany now uh, with Kenny Davidson for quite some time. But, yeah, this is will be a little bit different. This is, this is Al's production, his show. And it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, I definitely am going to make sure that I'm going to be a Thursday night. Numchuck, you're, you're coming. You've got to be there. I'm trying to get people that I know, yeah. that know Kenny and know everybody, yeah. to go. Yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm saying that you... I will you, be there. You're going to be there. boy. Yeah. Okay. Good man. I don't want to see you try to you know get up on stage and start hitting the drums up. Okay. Oh, and I, I, I know how you get sometimes, you know? Come you, on. You want to try to bang out a little drum solo. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> All right. Uh, Al Birdstein. My man, appreciate him. All right, we come back. Chuck Esposito is going to join us. We'll get some uh, boxing odds uh, from Chuck on this as well, too. The latest with that. We'll talk Major League Baseball and more. And, oh, I forgot to tell Al or ask Al. Darn it. My road trip. You know where I'm going on my road trip? What did I do? I need some Chicago food tips. What am I doing? I'm going to have to text him back. That's it. All right. Look at this. I... This is a little bit more upbeat than the massage music that I have. Here, let me let me get my Zen mode. Turn your head and cough. Here's the doctor, TC Martin. All right, continuing on here on this Tuesday. You know what that means? That's Chuck Esposito Day. But I think we're going to go back to, to Mondays here pretty soon, right, Chuck? I mean, we got once we get to football season, 
We got to we got to get back to to Mondays with Chuck and previewing the Monday Night Football. That, that's what I'm thinking. What about you? I love Mondays during football season. See, yeah. we always recap the the Sunday football games and and how the betting went and how we you know the house did and how the guests did and and preview going into Monday Night Football is always a lot of fun. Uh, one of my favorites, no doubt about it. He is Chuck Esposito over at Red Rock, and uh, you're a Bachman turnover drive guy, right? Back in the day, a little BTO. You ain't seen nothing yet, right? <laughs> Love a little BTO. You take, ain't seen nothing yet, buddy. Take, you ain't seen nothing yet. Taking care of business. I mean, come on, Chuck. Let it ride. Yep. Uh, we could do this oh, all day, yeah. right? Love BTO. Yeah, yep. me too. You know, I actually saw BTO like in later years. And what was I doing? I was doing hosting a, a rib festival in Reno. Yeah. And that's when I was in Sacramento. What a shock. Yeah. Hosting food. <laughs> yeah, really? It, it was, it, it was, it was music and food though, right? And here you both of you guys will appreciate this. Okay. So at that point in time, I was also managing a Blues Brothers tribute uh, band that I had. Right. And so they were playing there and, uh, the band open for believe it or not, BTO. And it was one of those rib festivals. It went like for like three, four days. It was great and outdoors. And then when BTO took the stage, there was only like three guys on stage. And I'm going like, okay, this is, this is not the BTO that, that, that I remember. You know, it just seemed weird. But when you think of BTO, okay, you think of the, the guitar. The two guitars and the drums. And that was really basically it. Cause with BTO, you don't think about keyboards or, or anything else, but they still sounded great. And there might have been a fourth guy on stage, but that was really it. You know? Uh, all I know is Rio to Sacramento, you were roll on down the highway, buddy. Roll on down the highway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know that up highway 80, man. Exactly. You, <laughs> and you, you don't want to get stuck in, you know, in, in between that. You're going to end up, you know, in Grass Valley or, Colfax or something like that. You, you don't want any part of that. Even though it's, it's, it's beautiful territory. But Chuck, the beautiful drive is Sacramento to Tahoe, man. And I used to make that drive, especially like for the American Century Classic, which we just had last weekend. But man, that's, I don't know how you feel about Tahoe, man, but Tahoe's great. Uh, Tahoe's beautiful. Uh, no question. Especially when you can get some cooler, cooler temps up there yeah. and the lake. It's uh, really a nice area. But, uh, Hey, you know, we've hit just about every one of their top songs right now. I guess if we want to conclude it with, hey, you, let's jump into some other sports now. Let's do it. Look, at and Chuck is not going uh, to the internet there. That's all off the top of his head. I can guarantee it right uh, there. Top of my head, baby. Now, I'm not going to ask. I'm dating myself, but, uh, it's, but it's all, all good. good. Okay, so let me just say this before we turn the page you know, over there. Because, again, hey, it's a slow time of year. Turn the page. Now you're getting a little Bob, Bob Seger. Yeah, I knew that was coming. Okay. So I'm not going to ask you to name, at least not today. I'm not. But if I, what would be the under over on Chicago songs that you can name off the top of your head? Oh man, just off the top of my head, I mean, probably eight and a half dozen, nine and a half, eight and a half. I'd say more, probably six, just off the top of my head. Okay, okay. All right, I'm not going to ask you. I'm not going to put you on the spot with that. We're going to save that for another time. I get it. I get it, buddy. <laughs> Chicago. Chicago's a Chicago guy, you know? All right, man. Um, Crawford and Spence is happening next week, and we just got done talking to Al Bernstein. You know, I'm a big boxing guy, Chuck, and this is a, this is a fight that I've been looking forward to for a long, long time. And Crawford came out 
uh, I believe, as the favorite here. I don't know where it is now. You can, uh, you know, give us the latest on that, but give us your anticipation of what kind of action you are going to see, especially in the fight that's virtually a pick em type of fight. You know me, T, and we've talked about this. I'm a huge prize fight guy. Mm-hmm. I was fortunate when I was younger. I was a, an usher at, um, at Hagler Hearns. I was able to see a Tyson fight. Um, you know, outdoors in some of the different venues out here. Uh, I saw Hagler, Leonard, Hearns, um, De La Hoya, and kind of grew up in that era of watching these guys fight. So anytime you can get two guys like this into the ring, it's out here later this month. Uh, Crawford opened up a little over a 6-5 to five favorite. He's climbed up to uh, about an 8-5 to five favorite now industry-wide. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. I mean, when you talk about fights that you want to see happen – this is one, and although the fight has been kind of bet one way so far, I still think there's tremendous value on Spence in this fight, especially if it continues to creep up a little bit higher. As much as I like Terrence Crawford and will bet Terrence Crawford, I'm really surprised that there's not more Spence money out there and a little surprised that Crawford opened the favorite because I thought that you know Spence would get you know all of that love because you know Spence is has has been in in you know a lot of primetime fights and he's been a little bit more active even though despite the accent and everything you know but Crawford has gone through these long lulls you know primarily because he was in that contract dispute with Top Rank and Bob Aaron and he just has not been uh you know in, seen in the public and when he has fought you know it uh, in recent times outside of the fight against Sean Porter he hasn't fought you know the top names I mean, sure, you go back to, you know, Crawford and, and Pacquiao, but I mean, that really hasn't been the, the case where Spence has had maybe, you know, maybe those, uh, more recognizable names, even though he went through the accident. But I love Terrence Crawford as a fighter. I love Terrence Crawford in this fight, but I, I, I am surprised that, uh, that, like you said, you're getting more money on Crawford and not much on Spence. You know, it's still early. Um, although it's later this month, T. When it comes to boxing, you, you'll, you'll get some play early on, especially maybe more sophisticated or sharp play, but you're going to see 85 to 90% of the action on the weekend of the fight, and especially when a fight's here in Vegas. So it's not going to surprise me to see as this fight continues to creep up a little higher, um, you know, there is some higher prices out there as well, that you're going to see some Spence Money show. I think we close it lower than it's currently at. Just personal opinion. All right. It is a week from this uh, Saturday night uh, at T-Mobile Arena. Looking forward uh, to that. So, Chuck, let's talk a little bit about uh, some baseball here. We've seen Shohei Otani, uh, you know, with a, the monster home run again last night to tie the game, and they got the victory over the Yankees. It was a great series between the Angels and the Astros, especially if you like offense. Uh, even though the Astros won two out of three of of those games, but you know this Angels team uh, in the news right now. Uh, basically, for all the wrong reasons, they're in the long losing streak before the All Star break. Will Otani be traded? Will um, you know? Will he stay there? And you know, Artie Marino has just been kind of a nightmare of an owner, especially over the last you know decade or so. And so, this has really been a, a lot of the headlines here. I'm really curious, um, just from a betting perspective here. Do you get much action on the Angels? And they're not very good, but because you have Otani and maybe this home run chase that's going on now, where where, where does where's Angels betting stand? 
You know, first I'm going to say is how about the bat flip last night? Yeah. I mean, just to kind of just the emotion of Otani. It seemed like he was kind of jawing a little bit going around the bases. The bat flip. Um, you have to wonder if he maybe knows where he's going. Um, it just seemed uncharacteristic for him. Um, I think in baseball, see, like any other sport, but in baseball you see it so much. It it's kind of you know pitcher and team driven. We know the Angels aren't playing well right now, but you get a night when Otani's on the mound, and depending on who they're playing against, um, people are looking to bet that way in baseball. And it's probably more in baseball than any other sport where you're picking that pitcher out and who you're playing against and kind of teams that are trending in a certain direction that you see money on. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens between now and the deadline. You know, he said, Moreno, that he won't trade Otani to the Dodgers. Um, I've seen out there, you know, Dodgers potentially trading anywhere from five, six, or seven to one. They could potentially be offering. Um, I still think the Yankees are the leading candidate to get him. Um, but whoever gets him is going to change the the kind of the landscape of, of that division that they're in, and maybe that league dramatically. I mean, here he is, the favorite to win the MVP in the American League. What if he's traded to the National League? Can he still win the MVP missing the second half of the season or part of it? I think he still can uh, in the American League, but it's really interesting to see how it kind of unfolds with him. I just don't think now with the Angels below five hundred, um, three and 7 in their last 10 games, that there's any way that they can just hold on to him and run the risk of getting nothing for him. You know, we've seen it before, though, Chuck, believe it or not. I mean, this has happened. It happened with Bryce Harper, you know, with Washington, where they they let him go. They they didn't get anything for him, and it was the same type of thing. When you look at Otani, it just seems like Marino, he had a chance to trade him last year, and he vehemently said, nope, we're not going to do it. And that's where the value would have been for the Angels if they would have traded him, you know, last July. And now, here they go. And I know that, you know, Marino was thinking, well, maybe we can sneak into the playoffs, get a wild card, and we can go on this, you know, magical run led by Otani. I think he was holding out hope for that. But you're right. As the days go on and they continue to lose and fall further behind Texas and, and other teams, I think that, you know, you think, okay, they got to do it. But if Marino is saying he's not going to trade him, I don't think he's going to trade him, Chuck. And I think in his mind, he's just going to think, hey, you know, this is going to be like a swan song going away party. And he's, they, he thinks that fans are going to come out and they'll get 45, 50,000 fans, you know, for these games. And then he can continue to rake in the money there, continue to rake in more merchandise money for Otani and just, and, and milk it like that. So it's a weird situation, but you think from a business side, if you know 100% that Otani is not going to come back. He has said that, hey, the the losing bothers me. We got no chance of winning here. You would think, yes, you would suck it up and trade him, but he does not want to be that owner that says, oh, you know, I traded one of the greatest players or maybe the greatest player of all time. Well, I think he said he's not going to trade him to the Dodgers. I don't know if he has said he's not going to trade him at all. Um, I, I think you really have to think about it, and uh, depending on you know what the baseball people around him are telling him, and I would have to think, that they're going to get a haul if they trade him. I mean, this isn't one of those trades where you don't get the other teams, you know, uh, several of their top five or ten prospects. Right. You're going to get, you know, um, major league ready guys that are ready to contribute that are, you know, in your top five or ten prospects for that organization. So I, I think the baseball people have to be telling them that. And the fact now that they sit behind Seattle as well, and you look at how loaded the East is in baseball, and the Rangers and Astros ahead of them and Seattle, 
that, you know, I, I don't see that playoff push right now. Um, I think you have to look at it and say, what's the best for the long-term interest of the franchise? And that very well be pulling off one of these trades that you don't want to be that guy, but I think long-term, um, it might be the best move for the Angels. It might be. Chuck Esposito joins us over at Red Rock. Chuck, any uh, Otani destination props on the board? Have you thought about that? No, there's there's not, T, but I, I really think that... It, I lean towards the Yankees. You know, if, if, if Moreno is saying it's not the Dodgers, and I, I would say that, you know, there's other teams that are potentially in. Um, the Giants could be a team. We've heard the Mets. I really think the Yankees are going to be the, the strong push for him. And if I had to choose a favorite right now, that would be my favorite, would be that he goes to the Yankees. You think about the Yankees right now, although they're five games above 500, three and seven their last ten games, they sit dead last in the American League East behind the Rays, the surprising Orioles that continue to play so well. And Orioles, Jays, and Red Sox have all gone 8-2 and two in their last 10, day, 10, 10 games. Excuse me. So the Yankees have to make that splash. Uh, Bellinger maybe is a consolation prize, but I really think they're going to be all in on Otani. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, when you look at... Um, Otani and where he is with the home run pace right now. I mean, there is talk comparing him, you know, to Judge and what he did last year. Uh, are there any home run props on on Otani on how many he ends up with this year? It's something we've talked about, T, and I think we're getting close to, to putting some of these props up like we did last year. Um, you know, wondering too if he does get dealt, where it's to, and if it's you know uh, if it's a friendly porch out there in right field. But uh, uh, it is something that we're looking to add to the to the wagering menu really soon. All right. So sticking with baseball, Chuck, and you look at the futures, do you have any liability or have you had any more money come in on, say, teams like the Rangers, the Orioles, or, or the Reds, since you know those three teams are really playing well right now? Yeah, it's interesting you say that, Steve, because those are teams that you know most people didn't think would be in the position they're in right now. Um, that they are getting some play. And you've heard some of these small market teams like Minnesota, who's, who leads their division only a game above 500, and the Reds, excuse me, who are playing so well that would they be buyers instead of sellers the deadline? And that's exactly the opposite of what their normal thought process has been, you know, to trade away young assets. Um, even Baltimore, you look at how loaded Baltimore and Cincinnati's, you know, um, minor league systems are. It's going to be interesting to see who ultimately pulls the trigger and and maybe makes a a trade like that. But uh, definitely some great action on those teams as far as the future book goes. I don't think any of us really thought those teams would be in a position that they're at. But there is some liability uh, on some of those teams just based on the way they've played so far. All right, Chuck. And then when you look at you know the Yankees are obviously you know struggling this year, but the Rays got off this hot start. They've fallen back uh, a, a little bit. Uh, so who, who, who would say, um, you guys, you know, need more so? And, and who does the public have here when you're looking at uh, some of the teams to uh, win the World Series this year? Well, usually, T, you know, the favorites we're always in good shape on. So you can say that, you know, teams like the Dodgers and Braves and National League really, you know, we're in a good spot right now. Uh, same would be with the Rays and Astros, but teams like we just touched on who, People didn't expect maybe to yep. make that, that big of a jump. Um, Orioles, Reds, uh, Rangers, all teams that are really getting a lot of 
kind of love from the betters, especially some future book betting, even the Diamondbacks a little bit, um, that have been surprise teams. Oh, they've struggled over the last 10 games. Uh, but all four of those teams have definitely seen some love. On the flip side, two teams that were bet fairly heavily going into the offseason or going into the season, uh, the Mets and Padres um, both sit, you know, below 500, have really struggled, and you can make a case that, that those two teams are probably the biggest disappointments in all of baseball right now at around the midway point. No question about it. All right, we get ready for football uh, right around the corner, training camps here next week. Chuck, what is your focus You know, with uh, you and Jason and Jason and the whole gang back there? What is your focus right now on what you guys are, are, are churning out as far as whether it's props, uh, updating odds, week one, preseason? What is it? What, what are you guys focusing on? I mean, you named them all, T. We're getting ready to launch a last man standing, which will be August 1st. Um, looking at, you know, more props to put on the board. Just kind of getting, the, you know, the whole team ready for everything that we're going to have uh, ready for football season. I mean, football is just such a different animal. The atmosphere, the the sounds, the excitement in the sports book are kind of contagious throughout the casino. Um, so we're excited about football season and um, just looking to put up whatever we can add. Uh, we put up, you know, a number of different props and things like that and, and always looking to, to kind of add to that wagering menu. But just looking at teams that I think rookies went to camp right now today, they're they're starting to go, just monitoring. You still got some, you know, you still have a, a Delvin Cook that's out there who could be an impact player. There's some impact defensive pass rushers out there. Um, so still looking at teams that might make a, a late push to get some of these guys. We know that Hopkins landed a, a few days ago with Tennessee, uh, seeing what happens with some of these other guys as well. But uh, we're excited about it. Again, launching last man standing on August 1st. Football is right around the corner and uh, can't wait. Last man standing's great. Of course, all the contests uh, that they got going uh, at Station Casino Properties, uh, fantastic. We know. And uh, you know, speaking of uh, teams in the NFL, Chuck, you know that uh, when the Hard Knocks announces who the team is going to be, fans usually like getting involved in betting this team, whether on them or against them. And they made the announcement that, of course, well, the New York Jets are going to be on HBO's Hard Knocks this year, but. They threw a couple of little different caveats at it. And we were talking earlier in the show about how no team ever wants to have the cameras of no. HBO and Hard Knocks coming in. And I thought it was kind of funny, like, okay, here it is. It's, it's the Jets again. And last time we saw the Jets was Rex Ryan. And now you got Aaron Rodgers there. And I'm just wondering, you know, like when Rodgers was with the Packers, the Packers always said, no, 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 we don't want this, you know, and I'm sure. No one really wants it. And now they came out today and they said they negotiated some different rules for hard knocks and they're not going to allow the cameras like in the locker room, which is going to be interesting. So it'll be, it'll be funny to just see, you know, how this show takes off and could this maybe be the beginning of the end for that? But haven't you noticed that, Chuck, that whatever team that HBO focuses on for its series and hard knocks that you see those, uh, that team being bet heavily, especially in preseason? Well, I think whatever team that they focus on T or is on hard knocks, I mean, you get a, a chance to really watch in depth that team. You get to see, you know, who some of their young talent is, what some of the philosophies are, how they play in the preseason. And there's probably 
not a player that's more polarizing going into the season than Aaron Rodgers. The change of venue, the way that the departure happened with the Packers, the fact that, you know, being the marquee quarterback in the NFC, he now moves to the AFC with just happens to have Josh Allen and Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert and Russell Wilson. Um, it's way different now, I think, for Rodgers that he's in the, the AFC with those guys at quarterback who, you know, who are just polarizing guys. And right now you make a case that if you had to name the top, you know, eight quarterbacks in the league, I think they're all in the AFC. Right. So it's going to be fun to watch and, and see how everything unfolds. But being a big market team like New York, I've talked to friends of mine who are Jet fans, and they, they like, hate it. They're like, oh, the NFL made us do this. I don't want us to be on hard knocks. But believe me, they'll be watching every episode. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, so will I, no question. Uh, you know, good, I think we yeah. all will. I, I think we want to get a gauge of, of Rodgers. And, you know, we've seen the, the kind of the, the sideshow that um, Green Bay had become over the last several years. Um, and now that he's moving to New York, you know, how is that going to change? And I think the narrative will be if they get off to a good start, great. But if they don't, um, how does the New York media treat Aaron Rodgers? Do, do you hear that? You know, do you hear that Chicago Bear tinge in his voice? Talk, Green Bay sideshow. <laughs> See, I, I always like to give that jab to those. I was nice Packers. by saying a sideshow. <laughs> That's true. I, 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 I tried to word it as nicely as I could. Uh, so this doesn't mean, Chuck, that you kind of you you don't have as much uh, angst or hatred towards the Packers now that Rodgers is gone. Hey, you kind of give Green Bay a little love this year because you feel sorry for Come him. Come on, are you really asking me that? <laughs> Just to get you going, man. That's why. Yeah. Oh man, you know. Hey, you'll be happy, Chuck. Okay, so I, I'm hitting the road this week with the Aces. We're going to Seattle. Okay, we know Seattle. Good, good food options there. I don't know if you've ever been there. Yep. They're going up to Minnesota, and then going to Chi Town, baby. Nice. That's it. Nice, buddy. All right. So it, fun. If you if you got a spot for me, Chuck, that maybe uh, that I may not be too aware of, one of those hidden gems. Right. I'm, I'm open. You got you you got a Chi Town spot. <laughs> One of your go-tos? I, I will work on it, okay? All right. I want to make sure it's the perfect spot that I send you to. There you go. You better do some homework on that, my friend. There you go, okay? I, w- yeah. Will do, buddy. Will do. I love it. I love it. My friend, I appreciate it. As always, we look forward to talking with you and, uh, and seeing you next week, and we get ready for training camp. And, and of course, Crawford Spence uh, next Saturday night as well, too. It's going to be a good one. Yep. Can't wait. Always great talking to you, T. And, uh, Enjoy the little road trip, and I know we'll be chatting soon. You got it. And, and look, look what Nunchuck's playing. See if you recognize this one, Chuck. All right, we're going to put you on the spot. You name that tune, Chuck. Uh, you know, maybe we'll get you a uh, a free nugget somewhere. How's that? <laughs> there you go, Chuck. It's you. Uh, love it, buddy. That's Chicago, baby. Yep. Oh, my, my kind of town, you know? There it is. <laughs> Little Petula Clark. <laughs> Petula Clark. No, no, no. It's sh- Chicago is Chicago. Chicago the band. No, I know, buddy. I know. Petula Clark. But I know what you're saying. I get you. Yep. All right, brother. Be good, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, buddy. Thanks, man. You got it, my man. Chuck Esposito. Get over to Red Rock. Get in. Get involved. Get signed up. Last man standing contest. One of the best and one of the least expensive contest at any of the station casino properties. Love everything they got going at all the station casinos properties. All right. I want to thank Chuck for joining us today. 
Al Bernstein, the Hall of Famer, our good friend, Showtime Championship Boxing, and we will visit with him next week as well. Also, got to thank uh, Paul Gutierrez from ESPN. Miss any part of the show, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com for everything, the blogs, the interviews. It's all there. Safe travels. Thank you, my friend. Enjoy it. I'll be checking in because TJ Reese will be in for me tomorrow. Jose Valente will be in Thursday and Friday and next Monday. And then I will be back next Thursday. But, yes, I'll be talking to you from the road. Yay. For Nubchuck TC saying, have a good one. Like I said, keep following everything. Keep listening here. TCMartinShow.com. Have a great day, weekend, week. See you later.